Oh, hey, Rachel. Hello, Brian. So how was this week? Terrible. Ever since I started drinking bleach, diluted bleach, um, I haven't felt (laughs) so good, like even worse than normal. (laughs) That's funny. It was fine for me. I injected the bleach and it was invigorating, actually. Really? (laughs) I I was thinking I would try um, a little Clorox suppository tonight. Ooh, double your pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, obviously, that was the best thing that happened this week. Let's talk about the worst. This is no... The podcast where we shut it down. My name is no. My sign is no. My number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, so for real, like the the weeks they just go on and on and on, and they're all terrible, terrible, terrible. But look, this is like the sixth week that we're doing this remotely. Seventh, eighth, tenth. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's all but, one day. But we've got our remote setups that set up. You look like you're comfortable, and you've got good sound there, and so forth. Yeah, I have my um, microphone elevated on top of um, Stephen Hawking's uh, brief history. <laughs> Of time, <laughs> the I illustrated that. version. <laughs> I love that book. I prefer it to the uh, the life size, the real time scale history, history of, time. of time. That would take way <laughs> too real- long to consume. <laughs> Although I'm it's, glad the perf- he made it's the perfect reading. Content. It's the re- perfect reading content for the endless quarantine. For quarantine, yeah. I mean, I have been enjoying it. It's good. <laughs> okay, for, for real though, what's uh, what's been happening this week? So um, one positive thing about having had the coronavirus already is that Josh and I are eligible to donate what they call convalescent plasma when our antibodies are at their peak, which was this week. Um, And the plasma is given to COVID-19 patients, and it helps them survive the virus by beefing up their own immune response. So all these places are looking for people like us who are confirmed to have been, you know, who've had the virus and recovered. Um, And we were eager to do what we could to help. So we applied to all these different places, Mount Sinai, Red Cross, we never heard back. And then we applied to the New York Blood Center, which has a branch out here in Long Island, um, about 45 minutes away, and they got back to us right away. So we made a appointments for last Thursday to go donate plasma and we get out there I'm very excited to like do some good in the world and you have to fill out this long questionnaire and then they take your vitals and I got turned away (laughs) (laughs) based on what so the reason I was not eligible to donate plasma was because I am barely alive (laughs) (laughs) which which vital test did you fail So the guidelines for blood donation are that your pulse needs to be at least 50 beats per minute. Wait, is your pulse so low? My pulse was 42. (laughs) Wait, you're not alive. That's far too low. (laughs) So I tweeted about this because I was very disappointed. I had driven all the way out there. I was like excited to make a difference. And someone responded asking me if I happened to be an ultra marathoner, which is like so funny if you know me. I was flattered, but no, I'm not. Wait, an you're ultra the one marathoner. who last week you talked about how you got a hundred steps in over yes. the course of the week. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So, like, I think I have a theory about what happened. So I used to have this vasovagal reaction is what they call it um, with blood. It was kind of like a phobia. I would I would 
faint every time I had to get my blood tested. And it was very embarrassing. Um, but after having AJ and getting my blood tested all the time throughout my pregnancy and having, you know, thyroid issues, I've had so many blood tests that I thought I was over it through like exposure therapy by you know, getting all yeah. these tests, but no, I cannot have nice things. And the one moment when it mattered, I have this very delightful antibody rich plasma like coursing through my veins, and I just want to give it away, but nobody will take it because take it. I'm take dead it inside. I'm like fucking dead. In this case, you are medically verified dead inside. <laughs> yes. So that sucked, but Josh was able to donate his plasma, which is great. And on the way there, we stopped at a CVS and we found toilet paper. So if you you're out on Long Island. So everybody wins. <laughs> if you need to know where the toilet paper is, DM me. I have a secret I, source. I, I had a, I had, so I tried to donate plasma through, because I think I'm 99% sure I had COVID as well. And uh, of course, I couldn't get tested. And uh, I tried to donate through the Mount Sinai thing as well. They also didn't get back to me, but I, I suspect that it may or may not had to do with certain homosexual activity, which sometimes bars you from blood-related activities. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, because you, you can only donate blood under so many That's sex- ridiculous. sexual circumstances, right? Uh, yeah, so that was disappointing. But um, then I got a surprise call from my doctor who said that um, I had a physical plan anyway, and they called to say, do I want to get the antibody test? So we had them, like, you know, just flying out the door like he had plenty. Everyone who wants a test can get a test, and I guess that includes me. So That's great. Yeah, so this was yesterday, and I said, I'm going to make an appointment. What's your earliest? So at 8 a.m., I risked my life and got in an Uber at 7.30 a.m. I tipped the guy $10 because, you know, he's doing, he's like basically a first responder. Um, Essential, yeah, I mean, this is essential work. That's right. And I went there and I got to the uh, to the doctor's office before it was open. I was sitting in the waiting room in the dark for 20 minutes. And they showed up and say, oh, uh, doctor had to cancel. Didn't you get our message? And he was probably called away for a good reason, which is that he was probably like called in to do emergency work for COVID. So I totally respect that. But um, there goes my uh, antibody test. Gone. It doesn't matter, though, because honestly, like, even if you have antibodies, it doesn't prove anything. It doesn't mean you're immune. They don't know yet if it means you're immune. Some of the and, antibody tests are bad. They, right. And even yeah. if you had, if you if you have the antibody, you could be immune for three days or not at all or who knows. So it's pretty worthless. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like I should go through the ritual. It um, would be nice to know if you had, if you actually did have COVID that you thought right. you did. Yeah. 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 So, you know, as a result of that, I've I found myself on another 12-hour day sitting at Zoom in the same chair, looking at the same screen. And um, I realized that you have to do it for work, but there's so many, like, social things that everyone's like, let's do Zoom cocktails, whatever. And this week, there has been a uh, proliferation of Zoom poker. A surge. It's just a Zoom week. <laughs> Zoom, I've but, gotten but specifically so many things. Zoom poker. And Zoom first, poker. Okay. First, I panicked because like, I don't even think I have a deck of cards. But then it turns <laughs> out that there's like online Zoom poker. And the first one was, so I booked, like, I was invited a few days ago to like work Zoom poker. So of course, I kind of have to do that. And uh, believe it or not, I did that uh, right before queuing up this podcast. But okay. then I got a last 
minute invitation from my high school friends to do a Zoom poker, like <laughs> overlapping. With, yeah, it's Schreiber <laughs> High School overlapping with it. And I actually had to reply and say, I'd love to do Zoom poker with you, but I have, I'm double booked for Zoom poker. <laughs> <laughs> And people think it's, like, obnoxious, even if it's true, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. well, that, that, that made me think, like, I've really become a master of ways to get out of social Zooms. I mean, one way <laughs> is to say that you have, like, another Zoom, like a Zoom conflict. Another one is, like, when you have the free version of Zoom, you're limited to a 40-minute Zoom, and you have to, like, then restart it. So the trick is, if it starts going long past a half hour, you hit the 40 minutes, and you're like, oh, oh, sorry, can't. can't no meeting should be longer than 40 minutes. No, so but these I, are, like, cocktails with friends or something. And, like. It's fine. It's fine. No like, cocktail oh. should be longer than 40 minutes. Right. No and Zoom then- <laughs> cocktail should be longer than 40 minutes. And then Adam and I, my dear friend and college roommate, tried. we've been trying to watch uh, The Windsors on Netflix. Netflix together. There's a new season three. We've talked about that. And we have this Netflix party plug-in that's supposed to like let you stop and start at the same time. Um, and it doesn't work. So basically, we did what we have to do with this podcast. We're like, one, two, three, play. Yeah. And we realized we don't need Netflix party for that. We could just watch Netflix together. We just apart. watch it at the same time. Yeah. 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 This is the whole... We need like Emily Post Zoom etiquette. We need an I updated... Know. I got invited to three Zoom parties on Saturday night at the same time. And like, I couldn't be like, I can't come because they're like, what are you doing exactly that you can't come? And I was like, oh, it's another Zoom party. And then it's like, oh, really? So you have a Zoom party that's higher priority than us? Right. Right. There's a Zoom hierarchy now, which we never had to deal with before. It's like, it's just... Really awful. And you can't even be like, I'll swing by your party if I have time or at the beginning of the night or at the end so of the night. What are you going to do? Have like three different windows open? It's- <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Zoom sucks. We hate it. Necessary, okay. but not sufficient. Okay. Can we do the real notes here? So you talked yeah, about bad so education. Yeah. 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 So bad education. So while you were um, playing Zoom poker or getting out of Zoom poker with people from Port Washington, I was No, no, no. They, they, I want to have Zoom poker with them. I just couldn't do it due to you scheduling do conflicts. It. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, okay. There was a film called Bad Education starring Hugh Jackman in the role of a lifetime. He plays Dr. Frank Tassone, who was the superintendent of the Roslyn School District on the North Shore of Long Island, and it happens to be where I went to school from grades K through 12. And um, so everyone from Roslyn was, like, really excited about this. So we did a, like, not a Zoom, but we did a WhatsApp to watch the the movie together. Yeah, it's on, um, HB- on HBO, so on television, obviously. Right, yeah. it was on HBO. So so for a bit of background, Frank Tassone, he's known for turning Roslyn into the number four public high school in the country. But on the other hand, he also oversaw the theft of $11.2 million from taxpayers, uh, making it the biggest grifting scandal in the history of American public education. So, <laughs> and that's a category. That's, <laughs> that's like in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's largest right. public school grifting. You don't get that in like the U.S. News and World Report <laughs> rankings. rankings. 
So he was arrested in 2004 and he was in a prison, in a federal prison until 2012. And here comes this movie. You know, everyone's freaking out. It premieres in Toronto. HBO buys it and schedules the release right in the middle of a pandemic. And one of the great things about this pandemic, the only great thing, (laughs) is that if you want to simultaneously watch Bad Education with 20 people you went to high school with, many of whom you haven't seen or spoken to in 20 years, everyone's available and up for it, right? So that's what we did. I coordinated this whole thing with our cousins, the Stolbergs, Jeremy and Randy. Yeah, my cousins and, too, yeah. Yes, and they're also from Roslyn. And the problems with this film, I'll go into a few, but they're myriad, and they began before we even saw the film. <laughs> the first thing is the casting. I, what can we say about the casting? Well, I, mean, I saw I saw a video of the real Frank Tassone. Yes. <laughs> Let's say he's no Hugh Jackman. He's no Hugh Jackman. This guy was like five feet tall and looked like a frog. <laughs> Hugh Jackman. And I only saw the, No, no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So the second thing is that the movie was set to premiere on Saturday night, but HBO said on its website that it wasn't going to be available to stream until Sunday night. So it sent me and Jeremy into a tailspin because we had already scheduled this whole thing with all these people for Saturday night. And so many of us were going to be watching on HBO Go that we panicked. So we followed up. It was a whole schmagoo. We told everyone we were moving. <laughs> the screening from until Sunday because of this HBO Go situation. But then Saturday rolls around, and of course, it is, in fact, available uh, to stream. So HBO was wrong, um, and we looked like <laughs> lunatics in front of all like of our That sounds like the least former... of your problems with this movie. No, it was released on okay. the wrong day. But my point is that Netflix never would have made a mistake like that. So anyways, so there we were on Sunday night, a bunch of Roslyn High School alums from the 1990s chomping at the bit to watch this movie that has already been out for 24 hours. And we're on this big WhatsApp thread so we can live comment throughout the whole thing. And uh, we hated every single thing about it, (laughs) except for being in touch, which was fun. But um, so the script was written by a guy named Mike Makowski, who graduated from Roslyn in 2009. So we had these high hopes for verisimilitude. But unfortunately, it was directed by a first-time director named Corey Finley, who is from St. Louis, And this director did not get the vibe at all. Like, Roslyn is very much not Missouri. (laughs) And by the way... You don't say. (laughs) These students looked. It was, like, so Midwestern. The styling was all wrong. So it was, like, Roslyn by way of Ozark. Yes. Yes. uh, (laughs) Yes. There needed to be... There was no big hair, no big scrunchies. We needed those Moschino belts, like, that said Moschino in all gold. Yeah, the Prada. Prada. Didn't they have Prada? Yeah. Yeah, Nylon. Nylon Prada bags. Yeah. Yes. Jeep Grand Cherokees and BMWs in the student parking lot. It should have been, like, Clueless meets Election produced by Ryan Murphy. Instead, we got a group of kids wearing, like, overalls and Christmas sweaters. (laughs) from L.L. Bean. It was so very, very wrong. It just did not ring true to any of us. I'm sorry you had to go through this. It sounds dramatic. (laughs) It was. It really was. And then there was the music. Um, In one scene, do you remember the scene where, like, there was Christmas music playing 
in Roslyn High School. <laughs> I do not. There are no Christians in Roslyn High this School. This is like science fiction. <laughs> like, never has there ever been Christmas music playing anywhere near Roslyn High School. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that we were all like, what? The student body is like 90% Jewish. They also use that Dido song, White Flag, you know? Oh, yeah. From- go- yeah, which is like so literal and sad. It should have been like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Outcast. You know, it should have been like the real music that people what actually teenagers listen, listen to. to. Yeah. Yes, yes. They couldn't, and- they couldn't afford the licensing, the sync the sync rights probably not probably not then there's the plot they could afford hugh jackman but they couldn't afford like an outcast (laughs) well dido 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 songs are cheap nowadays Okay. (laughs) okay but then the biggest thing is like the plot the biggest problem it was so sanitized. Like, why would you downplay anything here? This was, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, this was like a huge salacious scandal. This guy, Frank Tassone, besides stealing all this money, he was having an affair with like this like dick dancer in Las Vegas. <laughs> And he bought him a house and renovated it with Rosalind taxpayer money. The two of them were flying back and forth to London on the Concord. Concord. <laughs> <laughs> and like he was spending like $50,000 on dry cleaning. Um, and they somehow made it boring. The gay club that they go to in Las Vegas looks like a library. It's like. <laughs> well, I, can I jump in on that for a second? Like, yeah. I also thought this is maybe a little more like socially you know woke here but i thought it just played on a lot of like gay stereotypes as well of like the corrupt two-faced you know living a gay double life which i know he was corrupt and two-faced and living a gay double life (laughs) to be sure (laughs) in so far as that was true (laughs) well actually i have no objection then in this case but no but that was the main part of the plot there wasn't any more depth to it and it didn't really get into... But I felt like it was his gayness that was, like, there was a subcurrent of the fact that it was the gayness that made it even worse. Right? That made it even more duplicitous when that shouldn't even enter into it. Right. Yes. When, like, there was a lot more going on here, like, it was an opportunity to really explore the insanity that happens when the Jews and the gays collide in the 1990s. And there was no sparks. Wait, the Jews and the gays are basically the same, though. The Jews are the best gays and the gays are the best Jews. Yes. Yes. Okay. But so anyway, um, yeah, that was... So it was a uh, nope. It was a nope. It's a a huge nope. It's a huge nope. Yeah. So very very quickly, I have my own... So grifters, right? I have my own uh, Schreiber High School, which is the next town over... A little less Jewish, but still pretty Jewish. Um, my version of the, the greatest grifter ever coming out of Schreiber High School is the Mooch. Sca- the Anthony Mooch. Scaramucci. Yeah. Anthony Scaramucci. And also, yeah. um, what's his name? Um, Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer. That's right. He moved. I think he moved out when he was a kid. But And actually, uh, Mooch's younger brother, I think, was in my class. He was a decent guy. But like Mooch, man, I don't know what to make of that one. That's my. He's my Frank Tassone. Okay, so nope, well, nope to nope to Rosalind the movie, nope to <laughs> Frank Tassone, to Rosalind <laughs> nope to High School that let but it can happen. I, can I also just give you some things that I learned on this thread? Oh yes, please. Really, yes, so. why not? We're, so we're this, going all in, <laughs> double so this down. This WhatsApp thread was really funny. Um, I learned <laughs> that a guy in my graduating class is the heir to the family that owns the, <laughs> the Chippendales male strip. <laughs> And that is, is it a, wait, is it a franchise? Yes. 
and that his grandfather was a pimp who wore fur. <laughs> Is that a real thing? <laughs> Does he get royalties from Magic Mike? <laughs> yes, we were calling him Magic Kevin. <laughs> okay. News you, news you can use about your high school classmates. I'm dying again. I was dying when I read this the first time. Um, so so the grandfather uh, wore fur, drove around in a Rolls Royce, and, and Randy Stolberg said that their mom, Sharon Stolberg, formerly Sharon Dodes, went to Chippendales with this guy's parents. <laughs> so, Ba-ba-boom. So that was very interesting. Um, I learned that Miss Gutwinegar, who is our math teacher, she, she once killed a large... <laughs> A large what? I have no idea what you're going to say. <laughs> she once killed a large insect. <laughs> well, we've all killed large insects. <laughs> and said a prayer for it in the middle of AP well, calculus. It's <laughs> very considerate. <laughs> it was incredibly awkward. <laughs> she also told the class that And she went to the same gym as Dr. Trey. Really? Did Dr. Trey use the gym in Roslyn High School? I don't know. No, she went to a different gym, but she she went to she knew Dr. Dre and she told him that she liked his music. And I was also reminded, this is the last thing we could move on after this. We had an English teacher who got in a bit of trouble for biting a female student. <laughs> But he was nope, not fine. I'm cutting you off. No. Nope, okay. No. Nope. Okay. I'm going to have to edit out so much of this laughter. Okay. okay. Can we move on? No. Yes. No. Nope. All of this. <laughs> okay. 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 Can we do someone more sane right now? Yes. Who else yes. has been on your mind here? Uh, okay. So there's a new uh, business memoir out, and um, you can get it for free. Oh, that's my favorite kind. Yeah, with a pillow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about the memoir of Mike Lindell, who's the CEO of My Pillow. Oh, that's the guy who. That's the guy who like is a huge Trump guy, and he spoke at the. He's an expert in like public health, and he spoke at one of the. He's not an expert in anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's a trusted friend and advisor to Donald Trump. And yes, you may remember him as that mustache hovering over a neck who spoke at the recent press briefing about the coronavirus and the Rose Garden of the White House. He got up to the podium and said that the biggest problem facing America right now at this moment in time was... (laughs) <laughs> the lack of prayer in schools. Of course it is. He's like, I've seen him. He is like like John Bolton minus the foreign policy and more pillows. Yes, more pillows. So anyway, the, the memoir is called uh, What Are the Odds from Crack Addict to CEO? He was a crack addict? Yes, he was a crack addict for a long time. 
Um, how else do you become friends with <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump? Trump. <laughs> um, and so even though the book was written a little bit before the pandemic, Mike Lindell is using his new platform as the president's best friend to sell his pillows. Why wouldn't he, right? Yeah. Gotta sell, sell, sell. So he created this new social media promo um, for the book, and it is just like chef's kiss amazing. Um and I'll just describe it. Uh, first, he, he says he's always used mathematics to prove that God exists. Well, and... how, what other way is there to prove that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he... you, have, you have Stephen Hawking right there under your right microphone. Here, yes. Let's consult the, uh, the tome itself. The expert. <laughs> and since he turned, he survived 14 near-death experiences as a crack addict. So he feels like mathematically, this proves there must be a God. And we cannot argue with that logic. Who, no. Far no. be it from us to argue with, with Mike Lindell. But I, I have an excerpt from the book promo that we will play and here oh, it is we are okay yeah. technical <laughs> permitting oh i'm mike lindell you know me as the my pillow guy but what you might not know is my story i've spent years writing my memoir and it's finally done before this terrible pandemic came upon us i had already wrote i dedicate this book to anyone looking for hope well right now we're all looking for hope and I've always used mathematics to prove that God exists. In our lives, we've had things happen that are one in a million or a one in a billion, or we might say that's impossible. Well, when do we say it all has to be a miracle? My life has been like living inside of a movie, and in my book, I have pictures that are gonna validate everything that you're gonna read. I believe that my story is gonna bring inspiration and hope to everyone. By the time you're done reading my book, you will believe that with God, all things are possible. Okay, so that's real. So that's real. <laughs> that, ha that happened. That happened. Um, and I have a theory. I think Mike Lindell is Trump's drug dealer. Oh, still with the crack or the Adderall? Like what? what? The Adderall, the everything. I don't know. Like Trump's pupils the, are insanely dilated lately. And the sniffing, like, we haven't talked about the sniffing lately. It has not abated and yet our attention has been lured away by some other shiny object. The sniffing, the drooling. The other day there were like the all these people in the room and he just like slurred like, I love you all. Like, and it was it I haven't noticed that. Is it spittle or drool? It's just like, he's just it's barely saliva. conscious. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um everybody go read the My Pillow memoir. <laughs> if you buy it on Amazon, it's $29. But if you buy it at My Pillow, you get free shipping and a $25 My Pillow gift card. So it's oh, practically wow. free. So last week we did a uh, pro bono pro boner uh advertisement. Consider that our promotion. Oh yes. <laughs> of the week. Free free memoirs courtesy of My Pillow. Nope. <laughs> Okay, so um, I'm just going to start with the headline with this one, as we sometimes do, that says it all. This is from New York Magazine, and the headline is Trump once again stunned by how many countries there are. Um, and this week in a tweet, he talked about a friend who he called a, quote, very sophisticated man who said to him— <laughs> any friends and he certainly doesn't have any friends of that description it's a very sophisticated man who said to him i never knew you had 184 countries we <laughs> no, stop. 
<laughs> and Trump said, we actually have more than that. <laughs> Oh my so God. here's my first question. What does it mean that you have 184 countries? Like, he tried to buy Greenland. Is he collecting countries that he thinks he owns? I mean, I, I'm not going to even try okay. to This is not the first time. This is, a, this is a theme for him. So on the March 29th corona briefing that's on every night, he said it's up to 151 countries. So when, when we say our nation, our nation in the world, when you think, think of it, 151 countries. Someone said to me today that wasn't in this particular world. They didn't know that we had that many countries. 151 countries. That's something. So- once again, he seems to be fascinated with how many countries there were. And it goes all the way back uh, when he said that when he won the election, he got all the calls from all the world leaders. And he said there were so many of those calls, I didn't even know there were so many countries. So he's content. This is an object of no, – let no one ever say that he's not a curious man. Because he is curious about how many countries <laughs> they are. How many countries a fact, there are. A fact which is easily established on Wikipedia. <laughs> and then and then you may remember we talked about this like way, way back. There was this whole Twitter thread from George Conway, who's the husband of Kellyanne Conway, but very anti-Trump, who is like quoting things from Politico, some other article. And if you remember, Trump at one point thought that there were countries called nipple and button, yes. right? Yes. And and yes. Nambia. Which I guess is a is both Gambia and Zambia and Namibia. I and guess Namibia. <laughs> Nambia. He thought Belgium was a city. He didn't understand that when it's afternoon in Washington, it's the middle of the night in Tokyo. He vowed to build the border wall between Colorado and Mexico for that yes. long, long border there. And then he told the Indian prime minister that they were lucky that they did not share a border with China, when in when fact they, they, they have a 2,520-mile border with China. It's like one of the largest land borders in the world. Um, so it should not be a surprise to us that Trump does not know his geography. It should not be a surprise to us that he flaunts his ignorance, and yet I am still gobsmacked by this. Yeah, it is pretty shocking it's it's upset if it wasn't um so serious if i didn't it would be funny if I didn't <laughs> cry i would laugh laugh i would yeah. cry so no no learn no. your fucking social studies no, just eighth grade resign. <laughs> i just this person is beyond unfit it's, it's pick any one of the one hundred and eighty thousand countries you think there are and go move to there or pick anybody from any of those countries, and they would be more equipped to, <laughs> to be the be president. president. <laughs> yes. Okay, nope, nope. No. Okay, Rachel, uh, you got one more, right? All right. So this is this is just a tiny thing. Um, there was a Newsweek headline that said, "Here's why some people think Elon Musk and Grimes named their child influenza." This is. And- <laughs> I was like, this is like a double, triple hit. Like, first of all, these are our favorite humans in the world, Elon (laughs) Musk and Grimes. We've probably done more segments on them than anyone else in the world. (laughs) And then, unbeknownst to me, they have named their child Influenza. Okay, do (laughs) tell more. (laughs) Okay, so so it was this thing that was trending on Twitter, um, Influenza Musk. Um, So apparently there's a hoax circulating on the internet that they named their child influenza musk and the fact is that this that sounds is prob- like by the way that sounds like a beautiful like men's cologne influenza musk it is beautiful and the <laughs> fact that it's more likely than not that they named their child this i guess is newsworthy in itself i don't really have much 
you know, more to say about it, <laughs> except that it seems not to be true. And it's premature because Grimes has not yet had her baby. <laughs> Is she even uh, pregnant? <laughs> she's pregnant. She's okay. due next week. And we wish nothing but the best for <laughs> Elon Musk and Grimes, who are the patron saints of Nope. So let's just stop spreading rumors about this innocent baby who's going to have it hard enough with these people as parents. Yeah. yeah. And when she is here, she is actually born and named Corona. Or whatever. (laughs) Plasma. (laughs) Fauci. (laughs) Fauci Musk. That sounds funky. Okay, no, 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 nope to no. nope to the rumors. Like nope to the Elon rumors. Grimes, don't, don't run a headline like that. Newsweek <laughs> clickbait. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, those are all terrible. I have to say, I think the Rosalind, the the, the bad education. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go do some serious laughter editing because that was. That was a hard one to take. But let's no, move on. Just leave it in. Just leave it in. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our Yup Seeds, a little beacons of hope, a little rays of light that got us through the week. Um, I'll start this time. Why okay. not? Go so, ahead. Um, you know, we're all desperate for things to watch on Netflix. I stumbled upon this. This is a short, one of these uh, limited series. It is produced, written, who knows, by Mindy Kaling, who is insanely talented. She does not star in it. It is called Never Have I Ever. Um, mm-hmm. It is what you would think would be a typical teen comedy. Uh, like rom-com thing. It's about a young Indian-American woman who is thoroughly Americanized. And of course, she falls in love with the hunk of the school. Um, and she's desperate to have sex with him. And it is just, it's it's a great combination of like the classic, like fighting the immigrant parents to be able to, to you know, integrate into American society. It's a story of grief as well because her father died. It's thoroughly charming. It's funny. And it's exactly what we need to sort of take our minds off the real world. So that's my up. Great. I'm going to watch that. That sounds like a delight. It is a delight and a half. Okay. The other delight that um, you don't like me to talk about very much, but <laughs> I have to, it's The Real Housewives. So... Um, this has been one of the things that I've been doing at night. I'll watch The Real Housewives in bed when AJ's sleeping next to me or I'm putting him to bed. And it's just really like a great way to end the day. The The New York season is in the it's in the 12th. The New York show is in the 12th season. And you wonder, like, where can it go after all this time? And they're always um, trying new cast members. And more often than not, they're a flop because the they're a flop. boring. Yeah. Yeah, Bethany Frankel, who was like an OG and brought a lot of drama, she left last season. So we were kind of like, it's over. There's nobody they could find who's going to bring... Jump the shark. Jump the shark. Yeah. But... Then. (laughs) The Bravo gods managed to find this woman, Leah McSweeney. She is a 37-year-old fashion designer and a single mom, and she's a godsend. Um, Her tagline is, float like a butterfly sting like a bitch which is a tribute to (laughs) muhammad ali um and i guess it's because she likes to work out doing boxing that's how we first meet her in the show i don't know i don't know okay anyway the last episode was so epic um leah had said she didn't drink but then she decides to drink at this crazy house party hosted by one of the other housewives and she 
goes insane. Like she, <laughs> I saw is... it. I saw it. I know. I'm <laughs> equally guilty. She gets naked and she runs around the backyard. There's tiki torches, and she's so mad at She's... them because of the political connotations because the right because of Charlottesville yeah because right, of Charlottesville and she runs around throwing them like with open flames into the grass <laughs> and everyone else is like why don't you like tiki lights they're delightful garden decorations for a party and she's like I hate these I hate these and she's throwing them around um, I know this sounds incredibly juvenile and I will concede that to the objective observer it is juvenile however if you like, if you've never watched, even if you've turned your nose up at Real Housewives, every Real Housewives franchise, this is the one to watch. It's very satisfying. It's, <laughs> it's remarkably satisfying. I mean, I, it is hard to laugh during this pandemic, and I was really howling. So um, I hope to get Leah on this podcast. She is, as Casey oh, and Danielle say, a breath of fresh. Yeah, yeah. And she's like just big enough that she would like deign to be on our podcast we can't get like two big people but like we get people who are at the great intersection of like cool and smart but also like not too full of themselves she would be perfect she's like a professional um javelin thrower of tiki torches, <laughs> tiki torches. okay no we're done with this yes yep to yep to liam mcsweeney yep to Leah. and never have i yep ever mindy kelling <laughs> yep okay. to mindy we, we, we gotta wrap up this week wow Terrible week. Very fun. Very fun to record very this fun, podcast. Very fun. Very yeah. fun. <laughs> Most fun I've had on Zoom in ages. Yes. <laughs> in ages. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we haven't said this this while. Rate, review, tell your friends. I was going to say tell your friends in person in real life, but you can't. You cannot. Tell- you can't turn to your left and turn to your right and talk to somebody because you're You can't shout your- it from the rooftops. No. I mean, you can go, <laughs> you can go to the You'll rooftop. spread if you're particles the <laughs> from the rooftops. So just <laughs> Zoom. Just hit Zoom bomb. Random <laughs> meetings with llamas in them and, <laughs> and tell, tell everyone them. listen to nope okay this has been terrible this is nope the podcast where we shut it down wanna be my new friend we got a lot in common we can talk about nothing